Through our Wednesday nights together this Advent season, we've been pondering this question, what are you waiting for? And as we've looked for answers to what we are waiting for, we realize that there's preparation to be had. I suppose if somebody asked all of you that question tonight, what are you waiting for? I imagine toward the top of the list would be, I'm waiting for final exams to be over. Maybe some of you are waiting for getting home and being able to celebrate Christmas or maybe even waiting for some more packages to come from Amazon so you're ready to give the gifts that you have ordered. But all that preparation is a reminder that we have preparations to be made for Jesus' coming, not just at Christmas, but on the last day as well. And tonight, as we look at Jesus' own words, we'll have some encouragement to be prepared to meet him. So my question for you tonight is, uh, are you a person that is more about the journey or are are you more about the destination? Maybe you've been asked that question before and and I think for me, it totally matters what we're talking about. So I was thinking about the difference in my household of journey and destination when it comes to shopping. I love grocery shopping because grocery shopping is all about the destination. I take my list into the grocery store, I go and get everything and put it in my cart, I go to the checkout line, and I go out to my car and I go home and it's all over. Except that was put to the test last Saturday when I made the mistake of going to Woodman's at about 11 a.m. And I stood in a long line waiting, waiting to check out and then found out in the self-checkout lane that the scanner wasn't working very well and everything took even longer. Yes, my patience of being a destination person was truly put to the test. But I marvel at some other people in my house, namely my wife and my daughters, who can shop and make it all about the journey. have Have you done this or seen this? They'll go into a store and touch almost every item of clothing, try to figure out which one is the right one, and then they'll go to the dressing room and try things on, and they'll go from store to store to store, a whole day worth of shopping, and come home with very few packages. I can't do it. But for them, it's all about the journey. So I got to thinking, well, what about our lives? Should we describe our lives as more about the journey or about the destination? I think if we look closely at Jesus' words tonight, we'll see that it's really about both. And as we see Jesus' words about being prepared to meet him tonight, Jesus might tell us, enjoy the journey, but do so without losing sight of the destination. Remember the destination. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 24. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left." Matthew chapter 24 is part of the discussion that Jesus is having with his disciples about the end times. Actually, all of chapter 24 and chapter 25 are 
based on a question that the disciples asked Jesus. When is the coming, when is the end coming, and what are the signs that are going to lead up to that coming? Do you remember some of the things that Jesus told the disciples? There'll be wars and rumors of wars, famines and earthquakes, and all these things have to happen, and then the end will come. So even in Jesus' day, we know that the signs of the end were being fulfilled. To illustrate how un un prepared people are for the coming of Jesus, he gives us a couple of pictures. He illustrates with some pretty easy to understand pictures. But before we get to those pictures, I want to talk just briefly about a phrase that, that might have caught your attention as I was reading through those verses. It was right away in verse 36, where Jesus says this, no one knows about that day or hour, not the angels in heaven, nor the Son." Stunning, isn't it, to hear Jesus say that he doesn't know about the day or the hour? How is that possible? How, when Jesus is the Son of God, does he not know when the last day is coming? A lot of people have written a lot of things trying to explain that one little phrase in Matthew 24, not even the Son. But what we are dealing with is Jesus is speaking in terms of the mystery that is the two natures that Jesus has. He is at the same time fully God and fully human. That's something that our minds can't quite comprehend. And so as we see Jesus speak these words, what we know about Jesus' time here on earth, when he took on human flesh, he did not always fully use his power as God. It seems that's the case here, where Jesus is simply saying, I'm setting aside my full use of my divine power, and because of that, I can't tell you the day or the hour that I'm coming back again. It's just something that's mind-bending, isn't it? To think that those two natures of Jesus could exist side by side, fully God and fully human, it's something our minds simply can't comprehend but the pictures Jesus gives us are pretty easy to understand, aren't they? He tells us that his coming on the last day is going to be a lot like it was in the days of Noah and the flood. That people will be doing all the normal things that people do, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, and then the end will come, and people will be unprepared for that coming. I suppose we could say, well, there were signs in Noah's day too. I mean, after all, he was building a huge ark in the middle of the desert. But even Noah didn't know exactly when God was going to bring the rains of the flood. And Jesus says that's exactly how it will be. People will be enjoying the journey and forgetting about the destination. As I was thinking that a little bit about that journey destination thing, I thought there were really temptations on both sides that are difficult to avoid. Maybe especially the enjoying the journey side. Sometimes we're just so busy in this life. There's so many things going on in our lives. There's so many things required of us in our time that it's easy to lose sight of the fact that something so much better is still coming, that we have a destination to look forward to. Let me test you just for a moment. Think about this, if you can. The last 24 hours of your life, if you could journal, write down, Everything that you did for the last 24 hours of your life, how much of that 24 hours do you think would be focused on the things of this life 
And how much of that 24 hours would be about your destination? I understand that that's partly how life works, but, but do you see how easy it is to be dragged into that idea that this life is so much more important and we kind of forget about what's to come? But I want to think about the other side of that temptation, too, because people fall into this from time to time. If you only think about the destination, maybe you think, well, I should just like hide away in a bunker somewhere and, and just wait for Jesus to come again, and then everything will be great, right? But history has shown us that when people try that sort of ascetic life, they realize that they're made for something so much more than just being hidden away in a bunker. After all, how can we let our light shine if we're not around other people? And so Jesus' answer to us tonight would be, it's okay. It's okay to enjoy the blessings that I give you here when you keep the proper perspective and not forget that something so much better is coming. Listen to how Jesus speaks about it in Matthew 24. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus' encouragement is pretty simple, isn't it? Keep watch, be ready. And he uses another illustration that's pretty easy for us to understand to demonstrate that the time that Jesus is coming back is unknown. He compares it to a thief breaking into a home. And certainly if the homeowner knew exactly when the thief was breaking, going to break in, you would make some preparations and do things a little bit differently. But then I wondered, is there a part of us that wishes that just wishes we knew a little bit more about when the end might come? Is it maybe that we feel like God is leaving us out of some important information by not telling us the day or the time that he's coming back, not even giving us like a ballpark of when that's going to happen? But what if, think about this for a minute, what if, what if God told you exactly when Jesus was coming back? What if I could tell you tonight, based on information that God has given, that it's going to be 54 years, 3 months, and 12 days, and then Jesus will come back again? Might you live a little bit differently, knowing that you had 54 years yet? Might you live your life in a way that, that, that maybe wouldn't prepare you the way Jesus is talking about in our text tonight? Perhaps I can just say it this way. When Jesus is coming back, that is not the big question of the Bible. I find it fascinating that as the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul wrote in the Bible, they wrote as if Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. That was 2,000 years ago. How much more reason for us to think, maybe Jesus is coming tomorrow. I know some of you would like that if it happened right before the test started. Maybe, maybe he is, we don't know. Peter even says it this way, with the Lord, a thousand years are like a day. And so we simply cannot know when Jesus is coming back, but we can be ready. And isn't that the bigger question that Jesus has for you and me? Are you? Are you ready for Jesus to return? Since we don't know the day or hour, that's the more important question. And then consider this. You are. 
We are ready for Jesus' return because Jesus makes you ready for his return. Here's how he did it. That Jesus who came the first Christmas to be born, a human being, the God-man in the manger, that's the Jesus who grew up to be your savior, the one who took your place, who died for you. It's the same Jesus who gives you his Holy Spirit to bring faith into your heart, to make you his own child and an heir of eternal life. And it's that same Jesus who is with you right now, guiding you through the life that he gives you here to the joy of that final destination, your life with him forever in heaven. I want to think just a little bit more about that picture that Jesus uses of, of the thief that's going to break into a home. And think about how we protect ourselves from that happening in our world today. Uh, many homes have security systems or alarm systems that are on the home, and, and that's a great way to prevent people from breaking into your house because a warning goes to the police and, and sirens sound. But there's one design flaw to a security system. You know what it is? It has to be turned on, right? You actually have to have the security system. You have to remember to turn it on. And I suppose from time to time, they might even malfunction. But God and his security system never do. God guards your hearts and minds by his word, by the Holy Spirit working through that word and protecting you and me. And that's a joy that we have that that Thing never malfunctions. God's word never is insufficient. It always protects. And faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Maybe Jesus would say to us tonight, here's how you can be ready for my return. Stay close to me. Listen to my word. Receive the Lord's Supper often. Be connected to me so that I can protect you all the way to your eternity in heaven. Just a couple of takeaways from our devotion tonight. Number one, we have the unique perspective of being able to enjoy our lives on earth without losing our focus. I love how Paul wrote it to the Corinthians in his second letter to them. He said this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Number two, through Jesus and faith in him, we are prepared for him to come again and take us home to heaven. Paul wrote it to the Corinthians in that last verse of the great resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. Because of Jesus' resurrection, he could conclude this, stand firm, let nothing move you, Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is never in vain. What you're looking at there is a nice room just down the street here in the Madison Concourse Hotel. Looks kind of nice, doesn't it? And maybe some of you have stayed in a nice hotel from time to time and, and maybe you wish you could stay longer. I mean, it's kind of nice, isn't it? Somebody makes your bed for you, they wash your towels, they take out your garbage. It's kind of nice to stay in a hotel and have somebody do those things for you. But unless you're way different than me, most times hotel stays are pretty short. They're temporary. And couldn't we say that's what our life on this earth is like? It's a temporary stay. We're not going to be here forever. 
And that doesn't mean we can't enjoy the blessings that God gives us. It doesn't mean that we can't work to glorify our Heavenly Father by letting our light shine. But while we're enjoying the blessings that God gives in this life, let's not lose sight. Don't lose sight of the destination. Remember that Jesus has called you to an eternity with him. That's the joy that you have to live by every single day. What are you waiting for? You're waiting for the same Savior who came that first Christmas to come again, to take you to that forever home with him in heaven. That's something worth waiting for. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what joy you fill our hearts with as we celebrate this Christmas, the first coming of Jesus. And yet you fill us with even greater joy in knowing that Jesus is coming back to take us from the troubles and worries and trials of this life to a trial-free and worry-free and pain-free existence forever in the joy of heaven. Help us, Lord, to appreciate the blessings that you give us here without losing sight of the joy that is to come, our, our destination of heaven with you forever. We pray that you bless the students in this final week of, of the exams that are coming up. Give them the wisdom that is necessary to complete those exams and remind them that you are working for good in all things, even in the results of those tests. And give them the calm assurance that as they head home for the holidays to spend time with family and friends, that there's a reunion with you and all of our loved ones waiting for us in the joy of heaven, where you will be with us forever. We pray all of these things in our Savior Jesus' name. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.